We are back with a new season of the SaaS Sessions podcast in 2022. Thank you so much everyone for listening into the show. If you are tuning in for the first time, I'd like to personally welcome you to a listener base of 16,000 people now. Yes, we recently hit 16,000 listeners for the show and it couldn't have happened without the support from all of you. So without further ado, let's look into our first episode for 2022. 3 months is a long time in the life of a young company and this has been true for Topline as well. This conversation with Ruchel was recorded back in September 2021 and a lot has changed since we sat down to talk. In November, Topline announced their 2.5 million seed round led by Sequoia Capital India Surge and Girish Mathur Uthams together fund. Today, Topline is working with over 10 exciting PLG company giants like Canva and exciting young companies like Invideo and Lambda Test. So coming into our today's guest Ruchel Kulkarni. Ruchel is currently the co-founder of Topline. Topline helps sales teams at product-led companies to convert their freemium users into customers. Prior to this, Ruchin was work with Sequoia, uh, overlooking the growth stage, investing in SaaS, dev tools, and enterprise software. He's also worked with the likes of McKinsey, Goldman Sachs, and Inmobi. Ruchin, such a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Sunil. Great. So I, I gave a very, very short and very brief intro about you, Ruchin. Why don't you uh, go ahead and you know? Uh, Talk more about yourself. We'd love to know more. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, as, as you mentioned, discovered SaaS when I sort of entered the world of venture capital. I was a 23-year-old youngling who didn't know much about SaaS. I frankly didn't understand what the term meant. I kind of knew about startups and that these were those these hot companies that were growing really fast and kind of excited me. At least more than the world I came from, which was consulting, right? So I really wanted to find my way into startups. The second thing is I really wanted to start up at some point myself. I know everyone says it, but it's been a dream of mine for a while. And I thought that hey, if I could get into venture, maybe it would expose me to a larger world of uh, startups, expose me to different kinds of industries, and I can kind of figure out what I really wanted to do and find the people who I want to do it with. Right. So that's kind of how I found myself uh, into Sequoia, which is where my sort of SaaS journey was. Lucky, frankly, this was around 2019. This is when the Indian SaaS ecosystem was. sort of just maturing and getting out of um, early stages into growth stages right um, so freshworks had broken out uh, companies like whatfix charge b etc were really sort of hitting their stride and uh, moving on to sort of late stage funding round i joined the swas growth practice right at sequoia and uh, we were setting up we were setting up a team that would look at late stage opportunities in saas so i kind of lucked my way into discovering this a sort of beautiful world of saas and uh, once saw a bunch of companies right and really got exposed to a lot of sort of inspirational founders um in the ecosystem and also inspirational companies as well that's kind of how, where this product led growth bug bit me and we're here today with building top line for product led companies but that's kind of short two cents on myself awesome that we we'll definitely talk about top line and you know the product led uh, growth revolution let's say and what you've seen and you know what's the opportunity that you see in india but just just wanted to understand what like mostly that i have seen is like people like run companies first and then go into vc and you've done exact opposite i've not come across a lot of people who have done the reverse where you know you started a vc and then start a company so just you know before we go i uh, want to the top line and the plg part would love to know like you know how how did that happen and and you know what sort of learnings are are really helping you from the vc side to implement those in in you know in being a founder now yeah absolutely so actually again coming back to my point of uh, why i sort of went into venture i really didn't know what to do right i i didn't know what startups were so i really wanted to explore and that came at the cost of 
hey i didn't know how to operate a business i really never really run my own company run my own team etc and uh, that's kind of where my co-founders really helped me out these days but sort of came into sequoia and i think there's a few things that that opportunity afforded me what i've seen is if you work for a company you are very good at sort of executing and uh, executing upon a vision and you're good at sort of getting into the nitty gritty details etc but there's two parts of sort of company formation and company building right there's sort of execution and getting into the nitty gritties which is really really important but there's the other part of sort of company building which is how do you sort of get a holistic view of an entire space how you how you able to maintain a macro vision of a particular space and that's kind of what i really got exposed to at sequoia so when i sort of spoke about saas companies i'd i'd seen a lot of them before not from a not from a granular perspective but i had seen them and met sort of the teams that sort of founded them right so in terms of how a vc life really helped me it was how do you look at the macro and then sort of build downwards into the micro the second thing this is not the only skill set that you need in fact if you just have the skill set of looking at macro and strategic um, things it's probably not going to work out well so i was really lucky again that i ran into my co-founders rishan who's one of my co-founders at topline was actually an early say and he had uh, sort of run product teams he was early at clevertap as an example and had spent several years actually running saas businesses right as an operator likewise with my second co-founder rohit he was actually most recently vp of engineering and product at at clevertap and he spent over a decade at saas company so what i lacked in sort of experience of running a business sort of uh, is really helped out through the fact that i was able to luck my way into working with uh, rishan and rohit right so those are the two perspectives i thought you needed I, i i had some exposure to one but it's really helps when you have people in the room who've done the other no makes sense and definitely there's always like you know you always learn in the flow of work which is what what fix is <laughs> is all about right but yeah so talking about the plg opportunity right like what's the like you know what's the plg opportunity that you saw while you were at sequoia like working with different different pl product led saas companies right and and what sort of indian saas is specifically with which follow the plg approach right which which kind of piqued your idea into you know doing something around around this category because i know plg has been there for long but then why now and why indian saas well those are great questions and frankly those are questions we were asking ourselves towards the uh, beginning of this year when we were sort of uh, thinking of taking the leap uh, so let me answer those two questions that you asked independently uh, so to begin with what was the opportunity we saw in product led growth let me sort of speak about what um, we were seeing when we were sort of working in vc right at least at the growth stages what i saw in after sort of looking at saas companies for a year and a half plus was that at scale there was this category of company which is now dubbed product led growth but you can think of it as anyone with a freemium motion with product led virality etc these companies really operated better at scale in terms of growth rates their profit profitability their retention net revenue retention everything you like about a saas business somehow sort of had a way of being better in a product led company as opposed to its non product led counterparts right and that's kind of what got me excited there was clearly something about this business model that worked at scale it's hard to set up but it works at scale right and saw this trend really picking up in early 2020 in a sort of post or just post covid life got chatting with rishan who was sort of working in an early stage team and he had a interesting observation right so in sort of 2018 2019 when we had joined um, sequoia we used to see that in the earlier stages maybe 2 out of 10 saas founders were actually building for this gtm called product led growth people were largely building for a world that was sales or inbound marketing led right but come 20 
2021 and sort of the first quarter, we saw that seven out of 10 early stage founders were actually building for product-led growth. And we can get into how that happened, how that happened. But this was sort of the base assumption, right? So on one end of the market, which is sort of late stage, you see that, hey, this business model makes sense at scale. It works, right? And on the other end of the market, you're seeing that more and more early stage founders are actually building for this product-led motion. So that's kind of the opportunity that we saw. And, and sort of the fundamental thesis there is that every time there's an evolution in SaaS go-to-market motion, a very large CRM platform is born, right? So when it was sales-led, Salesforce was the company that actually broke out and sort of commanded the narrative on sales-led growth. When it was inbound marketing-led, HubSpot was sort of the company that was born. And the thesis here is that, hey, when product-led growth becomes the default, there's going to be a large set of CRM platforms that are going to be born, right? So that was the opportunity we saw in terms of product-led growth. In terms of the why now, there are number one are sort of factors that have been playing out for, let's say, the last four to five years, right? Factor number one, the buyer of software is now very often the user of the same software, right? So in sort of maybe a decade ago, the buyer of the software would maybe be the CIO or the CTO or the CFO, but the user of that software will be in the trenches, someone who works finance, who's some, an engineer, a product manager, etc. But over a period of, let's say, the last 10 years, the buyer of that software has actually become the user, right? So it is the product manager who figures out that she wants product board. It is the engineer who figures out that she wants Postman and so on, right? It's no longer the reporting line that goes upwards. Uh, and the reason for this is just companies have realized that buying very expensive software and keeping it on a shelf gathering dust is probably not good for bottom line. And they would rather just that engineers, product managers, folks in finance, etc., figure out what tools they want to use and sort of bubble them up. So that's number one. Um, on number two, we have seen that over the last few years, performance marketing has really picked up in how expensive it has become to the extent that early stage founders likely do not as their default to gaining top of funnel, right? So performance marketing every year sort of goes through a growth curve, largely driven by monopolies that the large companies at the top have created. And it's no longer a feasible go-to-market motion for young companies. And that's why they resort to these models such as product-led growth. It's just cheaper, it's better, more viral, higher retention, etc. And the last trend uh, that actually caught our attention was, and and, the, and which is really the why now of this category is, is COVID-19, right? The, the moment the world sort of plunged into the sales in this world of SaaS completely changed. You could no longer meet your customers. You didn't have a very, very close connect with them, etc. And product-led growth became less of a nice-to-have and more of a must-have, must, must have, right? So a self-serve product was an existential requirement and no longer a nice-to-have. And that's kind of what completed the loop as to why product-led growth has really picked up over the last year and why a lot of companies like Topline now exist, right? In terms of India, I think uh, product-led growth is probably one of the best things that has happened to Indian SaaS. The, the problems that we have faced historically is that, hey, we are exactly half a when we wake up, the rest of the world sleeps and most SaaS markets are dominated by countries uh, like the U.S., uh, countries in North America and Europe. And there's definitely sort of a gap that exists when we try to sell to these sort of companies uh, who, who sort of exist half the way across the world. But I think product-led growth has really neutered that. At the end of the day, if you're building a company out of SF or if you're building a company out of Bangalore and both companies are product-led, your product is the first one who actually uh, interfaces with your potential customer. It's no longer the person who sits half the way across the world, right? And that kind of really levels the playing field. So I think it's a tremendous opportunity for Indian companies. And my personal 
my personal prediction is that we're going to see a lot more fresh works and charge bees and postmans being built out of india incrementally than they're being built out of the western world but that's just uh, my two cents on the matter no definitely we we want to see more of more fresh works more charge bees and more postmans you know coming from india and and you know boosting the indian saas ecosystem right and and that's that's fairly will happen in the upcoming years as you also just predicted right so before before like one thing before we move on to the top line right like so you mentioned about sales led and you meant there is the, you mentioned about product led right so sales led is mostly again where you know you have you have to have a sales uh, interaction before you close a deal and product led is you don't need to interact to you know for people to try the product or buy or expand or maybe you know even upgrade to a much higher plan than they're currently on and then product led sales is something where you know which falls in between the two where you are probably evaluating how the customers or how the current users even though they are on a premium plan or whatever they are using the product and then how can you you know based on the use case or based on the usage here how can Uh, a sales person can make use of this data and then reach out to that particular customer or the user and then like you know do a sales led model right like so it's it, is it is is this the correct identification of like product led sales is is something which is new now which is you know sits in between sales led and product led now so is this something uh, that that you see which is happening a lot and 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 then we could maybe you, you you can share your thoughts on this particular aspect and then maybe you can move on to the top line and what it does yeah absolutely uh, so you're bang on there that's exactly what product led sales does what product led growth has really done is it sort of changed how the saas go to market funnel looks right so let me again take the example of a sales led world at the top of your funnel you have leads maybe there are tens or if not hundreds of leads every month right and uh, you try to convert them maybe you convert them with a like 30% likelihood and outcome 10 or 15 leads at the bottom of your funnel now when inbound marketing became sort of the default you had hundreds if not thousands of leads at the top of your funnel and maybe you convert sort of higher tens if not hundreds of leads and that's kind of how your funnel looks right so there's a drop off and maybe your conversion rates are somewhere 10% uh, or higher what product led growth has really done is that it's warp the sales funnel right so let's take the example of companies like canva they have 60 million monthly active users i think they just announced this off late figma has millions and millions of users postman uh, i don't know the latest number but i read somewhere that they have 15 or 16 million users and therefore the top of your funnel is now millions and millions of you but th- those who end up paying you are maybe 1 or 2 or 3% in fact the median product led company only has a 1 to 5% conversion rate depending on the company uh, and that kind of changes the life for a sales person no longer are you sort of operating in a world of 20 or 30% conversion rates where every third conversation you have is probably going to convert to a sale uh, you're operating in a world where you make 100 connections and maybe two or three of them convert right so sales in a product led world uh, is is a paradigm of hyper prioritize of your millions and millions of users which are those 1000 or 10000 who are actually going to pay you and as a sales person your job is only to go after these users it's not to go after the long tail of users who are derived enough value from your product but don't really need the paid version of the product right so that's kind of what product led sales is it's a hyper prioritization effort of figuring out who of your millions of users who would pay you uh, and there's a lot of things that go into actually helping you do that and we can get into details of that but that that's kind of what product led sales is in our world view got it thank thanks a lot on on you know on your thoughts about product led sales and and now we want to talk line right like 
so curious to know okay uh, what what is top line what what does it do and you know uh, what is the product all about awesome so it's exactly what i just uh, spoke of and how you opened uh, the conversation uh, top line is a product for sales teams at product led companies uh, top line helps these sales teams figure out which of their users have the highest intent to convert and pay and helps them essentially uh, go after exactly these users right and the way we do that is we combine signals from product usage so who's clicking on we combine uh, signals from billing information so who ended up paying you in the past and we combine information from support what are the kind of questions that uh, people are asking you who's actually requesting the most support etc and we combine these signals in one place and try to figure out which of your users has the highest intent to pay we do this without the need for engineering team so as a sales person or a sales leader at a plg company your biggest uh, issue with create this very data intensive architecture is that hey i have to go and ask for engineering favors and i have to go and ask a product manager to help me build this we essentially come and say hey you can just plug and play with our platform you don't need to ask favors around the building so that's kind of what we do we help sales teams or product led companies increase their conversion rates awesome awesome and then i i guess when we are talking about this earlier as well routine you mentioned that invideo has been using topline and they have seen tremendous success with you know product led sales and able to build predictability increase their sales and you know it just it just helped help their sales with better information about the current users and and you know which which is just exactly what we talked about right like how do you hyper prioritize the people based on the product usage and other signals right like previous uh, billing you know history or or any anything else so how how did in video do that and maybe you can share about the case study uh, that's on your blog in 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 short yeah absolutely uh, so we recently about just over a month ago we published a case study with in video just for the for context for folks who are listening uh, in video is a platform that helps um, Uh, you as a user create videos in your browsers to so think what canva does for static images and creatives etc in video does for videos instead right so that's kind of what the platform is now what the interesting thing about it's a product led company based out of india but they see hundreds and hundreds of thousands of users um, join the product every month right and come 2021 the problem they faced was that hey i have these hundreds of thousands of users but my sales team which is essentially a support team at this point has five or six or seven people so how do you really figure out who these people so actually this is kind of they were our first customer and we helped them try to figure out this problem statement right so we essentially started with hey uh, you're probably tracking a bunch of information about how people are using your product why don't we try to leverage that first right and this is kind of how topline's mvp also came about is that we essentially built um an intent prediction model right so we told uh, in video that hey uh, these are the kind of actions that people take with your product that are most uh, correlated with the conversion so it could be tripping up the paywall it could be the number of times someone actually exports a video and sees value out of your product right it could be something else and we essentially built uh, a model that help in video figure out that of these millions of users that you have and hundreds of thousands of new users these are the 4 or 5000 that are maybe going to pay you and their sales teams essentially sort of started chasing these users and figured out that here their conversion rates could increase in fact they increased to the extent of 
uh, 1.8 to 2x, right? So uh, the same salesperson who was, let's say, doing $100 of sales on a particular day, I'm just making up the numbers. The next day was able to do 180 or $200, right? And it's the same, same salesperson. It's just that the person is more prioritized now and is going after higher intent leads. And that's kind of how we ha- we sort of worked with NVIDIA on our first version of our product, right? And uh, it's been a few months since then, so things have evolved, but that's kind of how our first customer story came about. That's that's really great and you know great to know. Before we move on to uh, the last section of this episode, just just wanted to ask like what's what's next for Topline? What do you see you know the next couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. So what we've done with Topline over the last let's say three or four months is push out a few versions of the product. We've tried to sort of validate how this makes sense for our first few customers. And what's next up is we become product-led ourselves, right? So we don't want to sort of, we want to preach to the choir and embody uh, the world that we want to be a part of. And maybe in a few months, Topline will also be a product that a product-led company can sort of just pick up and use. And that's kind of the first thing we're working on. Over a period of time, we see Topline as being larger than sort of just the product uh, version that we have out today. I would sort of go back to what I said about when go-to-market motions and SaaS change, certain kinds of companies are born, right? So uh, Salesforce started as a sales CRM, but we know now that they're much more than that. They have a commerce cloud, they have a marketing cloud, they have 10 other products, if not more, which are of equal if not similar scale as sort of the sales CRM product. Likewise for HubSpot, they probably have 25, 30 plus products now. And the product that they started with is probably not the largest product today. And that's kind of our vision for Topline as well. Over the next few years, we hope to build out a suite of products that would help product-led companies solve the problems that their particular motion has created, right? So all problems that sort of when you become product-led, sales is sort of the first problem that we're going after. We want to solve those problem statements. So we see this as a multi-product company uh, that solves more than just a sales conversion use case and goes a bit deeper than that. But yeah, that's kind of uh, the macro mission or the macro objective we have at Topline is to become sort of the suite of products that product-led companies use in their go-to-market funnel. Interesting. That's really nice. Cool. So again, uh, coming to the last last section of this episode, which is like lightning round. So I'm going to ask you three questions and you have to answer with whatever is on top of your mind. <laughs> awesome. uh, not to put you on spot. But yeah, first one, what's the one thing that has helped you shorten your learning curve? This is a great question. This is something I actually learned uh, from my consulting days at McKinsey. I was a 21 year old going in, didn't know much, but had to tell a lot of people who are much more experienced than myself. I had to sort of tell them how to run their business. How do you really do that? The way I shortened my curve is I just went and asked people who had already solved similar problems, how they went about that. The one thing I learned when I was at McKinsey is most problems in the world have actually been solved. There are very few net new problems that you need to solve. The only thing that changes from problem to problem is context. And if you're able to find, let's say, four or five people who have solved similar problems before, it is very easy or it's significantly easier to actually adapt what they tell you and adapt the approaches they use to your own problem statement in your own context, right? So what's really helped me is uh, going to people who have solved this before, there have been billions and billions of people in the world uh, sort of who have lived before us. It could be through reading to someone who is no longer with us. Uh, it could be through sort of asking someone who just sits down the row from you and uh, seeing that that's really reduced uh, the time it takes to solve the problem. Definitely not not to reinventing the wheel, right? <laughs> uh, exactly. Cool. Second one. So what do you know about your work now that you wish you would have known when you first started? This is an interesting question. Uh, question i knew stepping into the role of a founder how much it is about sort of team building and culture building etc but i didn't know how the 
the extent to which that drives outcomes right you always hear about it and you are exposed to this fact as a as someone vc or someone in consulting but the extent to objectives can be met and the extent to which uh, your organization can perform can largely uh, or sort of is very heavily dependent on the kind of culture you build and the kind of people you get in the room and that's something i didn't know which is something that we now focus a lot on four five months in is how do we get the best people in the room and how do we build a culture where the best people thrive and feel a sense of ownership so yeah that's something i didn't know but i have i have learned that over a few months nice that's really great and then the last one right so i'm i'm sure uh, with with sequoia you have met a lot, lot of great people and but you know who is who is that someone who who inspires you the most and and why do you think so yeah i'm going to take a few examples here there are a few examples of SaaS founders who have really shown the way. So I will keep it. I, I'd love to sort of uh, discuss. So one is, of course, Girish from Freshworks. I, I think uh, not just for me, but for the entire ecosystem, he has kind of lit the path and shown the way. Um, that sh- we, we sort of dream, sort of sitting in Bangalore, and we dream of sort of a starry. But I think until sort of Freshworks and the team from Freshworks was really able to. uh sort of show the path that that path was not existent right like uh, no one had really traversed it and now sort of the, the path is much more clear so i think girish as a founder is someone i really respect the second is and i had sort of written this down on social media a few days back is sort of the people from fresh i've seen that there's something special about the company and the people there when i was sort of as a, as a first time founder I've, I've, i often find myself reaching out to people for help people have solved many of the problems i'm trying to solve now and freshworks being the company which is probably furthest ahead in terms of um, maturity and evolution i i reach out to a bunch of friends acquaintances ex colleagues etc at freshworks and i've seen that there's a culture helping your fellow peers out that does does not exist in a lot of other places right so in terms of who i respect i think folks from freshworks have really opened their arms and helped me out in many ways in more ways than i could have imagined and i think it's possibly that comes from the top and the kind of culture that girish has been able to build in the building definitely i think most of the people that have asked this question is has has named girish and you know that that is not a surprise i mean definitely he is the one that is inspiring everyone in this as ecosystem in india but you know it's really great to Absolutely. see everything shaping up so yeah thanks a lot touching for you know coming on the show and sharing your time with us sharing all these great insights and you know about topline and how uh, the product led sales industry is shaping up as well awesome it's been great being on the podcast thanks for having me